And good morning, everyone. I'm going to have a quick ADD moment. And uh, I just kind of thought as we were praying uh, for the interns, and it kind of just blew me away that three pastors were praying for three interns and setting them aside for the coming season, and all six were women. And it was completely normalized. So I, uh, I'm thrilled to be in a church and in a denomination that sees God's gifting over all people, regardless. Uh, and so I'm thrilled that we're able to celebrate that together. So that was my ADD moment. Thank you for humoring me for a moment. Uh, I need to make a confession. Uh, and you will notice it when we go through for the potluck afterwards. And so that's why I want to confess up front so that it doesn't come as a shock to anyone. I have a real weakness. I have a real weakness for fresh baked bread. There is something about fresh baked bread that I find incredibly difficult to resist. When I walk into Cobbs or any one of the artisan bakeries around us and, and I'm greeted by that fresh, welcoming, inviting warmth, I, I begin to salivate. Uh, yeah, in fact, even walking through like Savon, when I walk through the bakery section, and I'm not even talking about like donuts and croissants and cookies and all that, it's just the bread. You know, there's just something about a fresh slice of baked bread with butter on it. Uh, you know, I mean, it's for good reason that my family does not buy a lot of bread because we would polish it off. I would polish it off. And that would be unhealthy for me. You know, this past week, my daughter graduated and we had the graduation dinner afterwards at, at a, a venue. And one of the guys at my table was kind of a bit confused as to why I had not just one, but two little fresh dinner buns on my plate. And he sort of, you know, was commenting that that's a rookie error. You know, there's all this good food, there's all this good meat, there's all this good stuff, and it's a rookie error to fill up on bread. And I had to point out to him that A, I love bread, B, mind your own business, <laughs> and C, that good food needs a vehicle to scoop it up and to wipe the plate. And that's what bread does. And, and then I kind of caught myself because I realized on Thursday night, Dylan and I went out for curry, and I did exactly the same with the naan breads. I, I wiped the plates. In fact, I took that little curry bowl, you know, the share, and it's got the sauce, and I picked that up, and I had my naan in there. I mean, it was spotless. That's what bread does. It's a vehicle. It, it collects that flavor. Now, I, I realize that as I talk about bread, maybe some of you, I'm losing you because maybe you have a gluten allergy. Um, maybe bread just doesn't minister to you in the same way. And, and so you're kind of like, nah, that's not for me. Uh, you need to know you would have struggled in Bible times. You know, in, in the Old Testament Israel, all the way through to the Palestine that, that Jesus was in, bread was a primary part of any meal. Bread is easy to make. It's simple ingredients. And so people would make bread. And, and bread, believe it or not, would kind of be the main dish or the main part of the meal. When there was meat or, or when there was vegetables or whatever there might be, would have been made more like a, 
like a stew or, or a rich sauce or something like that. And the bread would have been used to soak that up. Bread featured prominently in, in all the meals. Bread sustains. Bread gives us energy to do the things we need to do. Whether we like it or not, bread is necessary. In fact, every culture, every people group of the world has some variation of bread. You know, whether it's a, a thin naan bread all the way through to a big old loaf or, or a long thin French loaf, whatever the case might be, every nation, every uh, nationality has some form of bread because bread is part of everyday life. It's necessary. We need it. Now, it's not without reason, then, that the Scriptures use bread and the image and the metaphor of bread over and over. Yeah, in fact, Jesus, when he's replying to, the Jesus, replying to the devil in his temptation in Matthew chapter 4, how does Jesus reply to the devil? Or what does he say? He says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And he's used bread as the illustration to remind that, yes, we need daily bread. We need bread. But not only do we need that daily, we need God's word at the same time. God's word becomes like daily bread. In fact, speaking of daily bread, that's how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. When Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer, he says, give us this day our daily bread. And the point being that when I pray, when I ask God, I ask God to sustain me daily. I ask God to provide for my daily needs. Yes, in the food, but in whatever else that might be. Once a month, we as a church gather around the communion table. And the reason we gather around the communion table is because Jesus instructed us, and we read in Scripture that in his final, his last meal with his disciples, he broke bread and gave it to the disciples and said, this is my body given for you. Take it and eat it. And again, Jesus uses the simple elemental illustration, the simple little product, this collection of a few simple ingredients, and it's this powerful metaphor, this bread that gives life. And maybe that's why Jesus says it outright in John's gospel. In John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And in that one sentence that Jesus makes, that I am the bread of life, that one sentence, Jesus very loudly and directly makes a declaration and then invites a response. And that declaration that Jesus is making is Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life that fills eternally. Jesus is the bread of life that fills us eternally. So let me slice that up so we can chew on what it means. Sorry, I'm a dad. I can't help that. There's a context to John chapter 6. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, there's, there's a context. 
Now, you can read it on your own in, in John chapter 6, but at the beginning of John chapter 6, we find the miraculous encounter where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And basically what's happening is the crowds have come to Jesus. They've seen the miracles. They're hearing the teaching. And so the crowd naturally swells and, and they come to see more and to hear more. And as they're coming, Jesus tests his disciples. Now, he knows what he's going to do, but he tests the disciples to, and sort of says, well, how should we feed them? And of course, the disciples are like, well, it, we couldn't afford to feed them. And eventually they find a young boy who has five loaves and two fish and they bring it over to Jesus. And Jesus takes this meager meal and he begins, he prays over it and then he begins to break it. And as he's breaking it, he's handing it out. And, and lo and behold, this miracle unfolds as 5,000 or more get fed. And in keeping with the custom of the day that to run out of food would be embarrassing, there are 12 loaves, of, uh, 12 baskets, sorry, of leftovers. And Jesus feeds this crowd. And so now the, the crowd comes after him and the crowd follows him. And Jesus moves on to the other side of the lake and suddenly there's the crowd. And Jesus points out to them that you're only following me because I fed you. You're only following me because I, I gave you food. That's what Jesus says in John 6, verse 26. I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw the miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your full. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And so Jesus takes this metaphor of hunger and the fact that he's filling their hunger with bread, he takes this metaphor and makes a powerful spiritual statement. And it's brilliant. And part of the reason why I think it's brilliant is because I genuinely believe God gives us hunger. Think about that for a moment. God gives us hunger. And the reason God gives us hunger is because when I hunger, I realize I need something. And so when I'm hungry for food, I realize I need food, otherwise I'm going to waste away. And if I don't get food, I may very well die. And so God allows me to have this hunger that to an extent I can fill and fulfill, but I can't do it eternally. In fact, I can't even do it for a few hours. Like we're going to have a potluck after church this morning. We're going to gather in the activity hall. Uh, we're going to feast. We're going to break bread. We're going to fellowship. But I guarantee you, all of you are having dinner tonight at home because you're going to be hungry again. Now, it might be something small. That doesn't matter. But you're going to be hungry. You see, our hunger reminds us that we need and we can't fulfill it ourselves. We can't associate that hunger in any deep way. And our hunger spills over. This is what makes it such a good metaphor. Because we're not only hungry for food. We start to become hungry for all sorts of things. Whether it's affirmation, whether it's acceptance, whether it's love, joy, pleasure, the, the pursuit of wealth, amassing stuff. We, we become hungry for these things. And as we get them, as we find them, so we realize, well, they don't really fulfill us. And the reason they don't fulfill us is because they're temporary. We cannot get any satisfaction 
And Mick Jagger was right. I can't get no satisfaction. I remain convinced God gives us hunger to remind us that we need Him because only He can fill that hunger. And that's why Jesus comes and He makes the statement to remind us and to show us that Jesus fulfills us. Jesus, the bread of life, fills us eternally. He is the only one who can fill us eternally. And so the crowd follows because they think, well, we're getting food. But not only are we getting food, we're getting a show as well. We're seeing the miracles. We're seeing the things you're doing. And so the, the crowd kind of listened to Jesus saying, well, you're only coming because of the food. And, and in John chapter 6, verse 30 to 33, the crowds ask him, well, in that case, what miraculous sign will you show that we may see and believe you? What will you do? In fact, they talk about how our forefathers had manna in the wilderness. God provided manna for them. So what will you do for us? And Jesus replies, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Again, Jesus is echoing. Jesus is the bread of life that fills eternally. And Jesus reminds them how God provided for Israel in the wilderness. They knew that story well. God had sent the manna from heaven that we looked at already previously. And now God has done it again. God has sent his son, Jesus, the bread of life, to fulfill people. And so the crowds kind of go, okay, this eternal bread that fills us and that we don't hunger again really sounds like a good deal. It's almost like the woman of the well, at the well who kind of wanted that water, thinking, well, if I have that water, I'll never have to draw water again. And so they sort of say to Jesus, okay, Jesus, uh, give us this bread. And that's when Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and you do not believe. You know, in that statement, I'm the bread of heaven or the bread of life, Jesus makes a powerful declaration and then he invites a response. So what is the declaration that Jesus makes? Well, in two chapters time, in John chapter 8, Jesus is going to make the same declaration more forcefully. But before we look at the declaration Jesus makes, we have to go back into the Old Testament. And we have to have a, a look at the experience that Moses had in, Deuter in Exodus chapter 3 in front of the burning bush. You see, in Exodus chapter 3, Moses is in the wilderness. And as he's tending to the sheep in the wilderness, Moses sees a bush that's burning, but it's not consumed by the fire. And so Moses goes over to the bush to go and investigate, and he hears the voice of God. The voice of God tells him to take his shoes off because this is holy ground. Let there be no barrier between us as I speak with you. And then God commissions Moses and says to Moses, through you, I am going to redeem my people out of Egypt. I'm going to free them from Pharaoh's grasp and you're going to lead them. And so in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, Moses says to God, he says, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? 
Then what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. And God declares to Israel, my name is I am. And so now in John chapter 6, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, the astute Israelites in the crowd, their ears would have perked up at that I am statement thrown in there. And they might have kind of wondered, whoa, what are you, what are you saying, Jesus? Because we're hearing something a little deeper than just bread now. We're hearing a connection between you and Yahweh, and we don't like that. And so then in John chapter 8, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and they start questioning Jesus, and they're engaging with him, grilling him, who are you? And so in John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. And they picked up stones ready to stone him for blasphemy. Now, every now and then, somebody will make the statement that, you know, Jesus never claimed to be God. And when somebody makes that statement that Jesus never claimed to be God, they only make that statement because they haven't actually read Scripture. Jesus very clearly claims to be God. And, and the way he does it is brilliant. Because I think, had Jesus said the literal words, yes, I'm God, people would have dismissed that. People would have said, well, that, you're, you're confused, you're, you're insane, you're not God. But Jesus goes a step further. Jesus says, let me introduce myself to you with my first name. My first name is I Am. Jesus loudly declares, I am God. I am God. And therefore, I am the bread of life. And so Jesus makes this declaration, but then he invites a response. What is the response? What, what do the crowds need to do? What do you and I need to do as we read Jesus' declaration? Well, the response is really simple. In fact, it's, it's almost so simple that we try and add to it because it just it seems too easy. The response is that we need to believe. We need to believe. In fact, the, the crowds ask him in John 6, verse 28 and 29, they say, what must we do to do the works of God that God requires? Remember, they're, they're so used to Old Testament law and the works of, that are required for forgiveness. And so they're asking, what do we need to do? We've heard this statement, so what do we have to do? And Jesus answered in verse 29, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To believe in the one he has sent. And this idea of belief and believe in Jesus, it's repeated a few times in John chapter 6. In fact, when, when Jesus said it in verse 35, I am the bread of life, uh, whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty, he says, I've told you this, you've seen it, and you, yet you don't believe. 
In verse 40, Jesus says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Verse 47, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Your eternal life doesn't begin when you die physically. Your eternal life begins at the moment of believing that Jesus Christ is the bread of life. That Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. When I believe that, I receive and have eternal life. Jesus is the bread of life that fills us eternally. We receive that bread. We consume that bread when we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That He is God in the flesh. That He is Lord and Savior. So what does it all mean? What do I do with this? Well, over the last couple of weeks, we've been journeying through a series called Taste and See. Taste and see that God is good. And we as a pastoral team have been praying not only for ourselves, but praying that each and every one of you would begin to experience this hunger and this thirst for more of God. And for what God has in store, for what God has to offer. We've been praying that you would have this hunger and this thirst for more of Jesus. Not simply for what Jesus can do for you. Remember, that's what the crowds were going after him. But simply hungering for more of Jesus Christ. And the reason we're finishing off on this statement is because as we hunger, as we we get to know God more, as we see the grace of God, as we experience the forgiveness and the mercy it becomes easy to start to say, well, then what must I do? You know, well, what's the list? I need to know the checklist so that I know I've done the right thing. And Jesus makes it very simple for us to, to receive that eternal bread, that bread that fills us eternally, is to believe. But being a good Baptist, I'm going to give you three closing thoughts. The first, in terms of response, is we need to acknowledge our hunger. Acknowledge your hunger. As I said earlier, realize that hunger is a great metaphor, not only for our physical realm, but for the spiritual. And regardless of what I hunger for, whether it's something good or something bad, whether it is for love and acceptance or or belonging or family, whether it's for for pleasure or, or, or happiness, or maybe my hunger is heading over into areas that I know are bad for me, but, but I, I need it and, I, and I'm hungry for it. And so I pursue, whether it's alcohol or drugs or sex or whatever the case might be, acknowledge your hunger. Realize that God has given you that to show there is a void that only He can fulfill. You know, years ago, I did a mission trip to Angola, and I know I've mentioned various elements from time to time, but in that mission trip, the way we had packed the vehicle, we had kind of got everything in, and we were crossing a border, and and you need to realize this isn't like crossing Peace Arch, where it's a relatively simple process. This is third world Africa. Borders close at whatever time they decide to close and open at whatever time they decide to open. And so we thought we had given ourselves enough time to get to the border. 
in order to get through, but we got there and they'd closed the border. And, and it's bush, it's wilderness. There's nothing around us. There's no civilization. There's no store to go to. And because of the way we had packed, we had no food. And of course, a group of young guys going to go do some mission work, and we're getting hungry. And we spent the night with these hunger pangs. And we woke up in the morning realizing that we're probably not going to eat until the afternoon because of the farm we're going to. And at one point, one of the guys goes to the front of the truck and he opens it up and nobody was sitting there because there was just a whole bunch of stuff and he's digging through to try and find some paperwork and he pulls away a jacket and there's a bag of buns (laughs) that no one remembered putting there. Maybe that's why I love bread so much. (laughs) But we were hungry. We needed something to fill us, and in God's provision through our just forgetfulness, had we consumed it on the road, we would have still been hungry. But we had this hunger. Acknowledge the hunger, and then secondly, realize that only God can fill our hunger eternally. Acknowledge the hunger. Secondly, realize that only God, through Jesus Christ, can fill that eternal hunger. And please hear that I'm speaking metaphorically. Only Jesus can fill our eternal hunger. All of those hunger pangs that we feel point to the fact that we're never fulfilled. There's always a gap. There's always something missing. And Jesus says, I'm the one that fills that gap. Because I'm the one that fills it eternally. And then thirdly and lastly, believe. Believe and receive. Believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Believe that Jesus did what we could not do in offering himself as our ransom. As as paying the price that we might be restored to relationship to our Heavenly Father. I believe it and I receive it. And as I believe and receive, so I receive God. So I receive the Holy Spirit within me. We've mentioned it. We've prayed it. Today is Pentecost Sunday. That reminder in the early church where they waited. And God sent His Spirit. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and poured the Holy Spirit out over His disciples in order to begin that motion, that church, that movement that would take the gospel. And so thankfully, we don't have to wait any longer. As we believe, so we receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus closes off John chapter 6. In verse 63, Jesus says, The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. If you want the Holy Spirit today, if you want life, if you want the bread of life that fills eternally, then believe in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Oh Jesus, thank you that you are the bread of life. When the Israelites wandered in the wilderness, God, you provided daily manna this bread substance to sustain them. 
And that manna was an image. It was, it was the picture of your eternal provision to come in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. That you stepped out of eternity into the world you had created. That you took on flesh, becoming fully man while fully God. And that, Jesus, you declared you are the bread of life. Whoever believes in you will never be hungry and thirst again. And we know that yeah, we will experience physical hunger. And we know that as we live in this between, where there is flesh and spirit and they war, we know that our, our flesh will crave substitutes. And, and they will look to be filled in all these other ways. Jesus, remind us that when we try to fill our hunger with other things, it's a reminder that we can only find fulfillment in you. And Jesus, I pray that today again, whether we've been Christians for most of our lives and, and we call ourselves disciples, or whether we've never taken that first step, I pray that today again, each one of us would believe in Jesus Christ and would receive eternal life through that belief. For we pray this in your name, Jesus, and together we say, Amen. Amen.